Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Tackle the Text. It is the day that the Lord has made, and we are rejoicing, and we are glad in it. And thank you for all of the prayers all over the world, yet even the nation, where you guys prayed for us here in Texas as we went through a winter freeze. Some of us had uh, property damage. We even had damage at one of our campuses. But God is faithful, and uh, insurance works. So we thank God uh, for that, and uh, we appreciate your prayers. But we're never going to stop serving you as long as we have breath. As long as God has a living word, we're going to continue to serve you in spirit and in truth. So I am Pastor Henderson, a leader of the Lighthouse Church here in Houston, Texas. And to my right, I have Pastor Hammond, who is the leader of our West Campus. Uh, to his right is Pastor Rama, the leader of our South Campus. And this young war horse, Pawn in the Valley to Pastor Ramos right, uh, Pastor Matt, the phenom, right? Uh, he uh, helps to give leadership to our downtown uh, campus. How's everybody doing? Doing good, Pastor. Good, good, Man, good. Did anybody have any property damage, any freezing and pipes bursting and all of that? A little no, bit. I a little yeah, I know bit. you had a little bit. What about you guys? No, I was good. Praise yeah, I guess because you live on the right side of town. What, <laughs> what, about, what about you, man? No property damage, but I had a really cold house. We didn't have power for... Uh, Almost 50 hours. No power for 50 hours. Yeah. So but I, you just got married, so I'm sure there's plenty of heat. Plenty of heat over there. there. <laughs> Glory to God. I was about to say that. <laughs> well, man, I'm, I'm, I'm always honored when I, when I get in the room with you guys. You know, I want to hear you think. It's one of the things that I've been taught when you're in the presence of greatness. Um, more than hearing what they say, just hearing how they think. And today, I know what I thought about the text because I preached it. I cannot wait to hear what you guys thought about it. I struggled because I don't know how you, all, you feel like this sometimes, but sometimes I prepare a message, and in my, in my study time, it was fire. I mean, I had it in my head like this is going to hit hard. And then I preached it, and it didn't do it for me when I was preaching it. And uh, I left thinking, man, I left so many things out that I wanted to say. Then I have to go back to my training and realize that I said everything that God wanted me to say. So I, I went through all of those emotions, but I'm excited to hear what you all thought about it. So just to catch our audience up on the text, this is the tackle the text on the sermon that we preached last week uh, or this past Sunday called Speech Therapy. And I'll get into why I called it that. I had a whole lot of other different titles that I wanted to call it, but I'll tell you why I settled on that one. So uh, we all know what happened in Acts chapter 9, right? And we can talk about this. What happens? Paul is on the road to what? Damascus. Damascus, and he's blinded by a light. And the Bible says that he's breathing out threats and slaughter. And here's the thing about uh, the book of Acts. Although it's about Paul most of the time, Luke wrote it. Right? So Paul is not the author of this book that talks about him. And the first thing I thought is that, you know, we live in this world where people tell, tell us, you know, tell your own story, you know. But isn't it possible, and, and it's open for conversation, I'm, I'm not saying I'm right, but, but what happens when somebody else authors your story? Right? When, when somebody else is responsible for telling that story, because sometimes it's difficult for you to see yourself. Paul would have never said all of those things about himself that Luke did. But Luke said he's breathing out threats and slaughter. He's on his way to kill Christians. That's Acts chapter 9. We know that. The, the substratum of the text was Acts chapter 21, 22, 
where he is now <clears throat> confronted with people who are uh, proclaiming that he's anti-Jew, that he's anti-custom, um, that he's got all this stuff going on, and they beat him to death. His face is swollen. He's bleeding. He's got all of this stuff going on, and, um, and, and Paul's conversation is different wow. in Acts chapter 22 than it was in 9. <clears throat> and I thought that that was the, the idea about the speech therapy, that he had come into contact with something that changed the way he talked. Now, that's, guys, that's me laying it out for you. You can read it on your own. But Matt, I'll start with you. When you looked at this text um, and you began to use, as you and I talk about, our Holy Ghost imagination, right, this, this thing that we have in the Spirit, what did you see? Well, I love what you said, but one of the things, like you said, we saw it differently at times. One of the things that I really put emphasis on was that he was speaking Greek initially, because look in, 20, in 21, that the, that the uh, headmaster said, hey, do you speak Greek? Yes. And then when he went to address the crowd, he went in Hebrew, Aramaic. Yes. And one thing that the Holy Spirit spoke to me was that in certain situations, depending on where you're at, to speak to a different crowd, you can't forget your previous language. Ah, awesome. So even though he had went to, to speak to one person, what did he say? He said, to the weak, I became weak. To the yeah. Jew, I... So when, I, when I'm speaking to you, there's a language that I can speak with you to be effective. But I might speak differently when I'm speaking to Pastor Raymond. And he didn't forget the other language that he had because he was in a different position. And so when, when, wow. when you look at that text, Paul is first confused by the chief priest who says, wait a minute, I thought you were an Egyptian. Yeah. So not only did he have his language confused, he had his heritage confused. He didn't know who he was. Paul said, no, I'm not an Egyptian. I'm from a small place called Tarshish. Yeah. And not only do I speak Hebrew, I speak Greek, I speak Aramaic, and there are some writers that said Paul even spoke Latin. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So Paul is multilingual. He's, he's a tent maker. He's got all of these things that are going on. And what I said yesterday was, is Paul is actually showing us that he learned a language from every place he had been mm -hmm. and that, that there is a language for every level Ooh. and that you have to remember that language because you never know when you may ascend that language or have to revisit that level. Yes. And you've got to make sure that you have all of those. And I, and I think you're right because just because you grew up in the hood, that, that's a language that works. Yeah. But you also got to have a language for the king's table. And it's a language that's needed. Yeah, because that is that was what gave him his credibility mm. to the crowd. And so, like you said, having that diversity and being able to speak to multiple crowds, as I think, is what can make you most effective, especially in what we're doing. Love it. Pastor Raymond, what did you see? Um, I, I, for me, I think I saw what I saw was really the power of um, of the mouth. And I think you, you, you've preached on the ministry of the mouth before. Um, so. I just thought about what is this thing about the mouth? What is this thing about our conversation that gets God all excited? Then I went back to Genesis and I saw that the earth was without form. It was void. Then pastor, something struck me. The spirit of God was actually moving and, and nothing, nothing happened. Hmm. And I asked myself, is it possible for the spirit of God to move and nothing happened? Good. The spirit of God was moving. There was darkness and the spirit of God was moving. Nothing happened on the face of the water. And maybe God is waiting on us to open our mouths to speak. And the Bible says that when God said, let there be light, the Bible says that was light. Yeah. 
as I began to think about it, 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 it dawned on me that there is, some, there is power in our, in our mouth. And Pastor, back to what you were saying, by the way, that message was powerful. And I think that sometimes the simplicity of a principle or a message, y- you are the one delivering it, but you don't understand how powerful that is. Because that was the first principle. People are encountering darkness and they are sowing and they are fasting and they are moving and they are, but they have not spoken. Mm. And God is saying, if it's not in your speech, it's, it's, it's not within your reach. Yeah. I think it's important for people to understand. Do you know people are not in bondage because they are average, but because of their language. Yeah. And I think that we have to come to a place where we understand, um, I'm going to say this, because why, why I'm passionate about this is because last week I was on a prayer call and I talked about the tongue. So this is spot on. Uh, and you talked about being stuck, which I, I would want to get to because that's what I discussed with small groups reloaded. So this is spot on. Pastor, let me say something about the tongue and I'm, I'm going to hand off to Pastor Hammond. The Bible says something, I believe it's in James about the tongue, the power of the tongue and language and speech. It says that the tongue is like um, a beat that you put in a horse. Mm. Then it turns around to say the tongue also is like the rudder of the ship. As I thought about it, Pastor, do you know it dawned on me that... The Bible is, if you put a beat on a ship, on a, on a, on a horse, you can immediately change the direction. Yeah. But if you put a beat, if you put a rudder on a ship, you have to keep doing it gradually. So God told me that there are ship situations and horse situations. Wow. The, the thing about the horse situation is that it changes overnight. Mm. The thing about the fig three situations or the ship situations is that sometimes it's going to take a while. And this is why there is power in, in the tongue mm. and in the power of what we're saying. So when you talk about speech therapy, there is a vocabulary for your future. There's a vocabulary. There, there, there is a language for the level God is taking you to. I, I absolutely wow. love that. And you just, you just brought to my mind um, some of the things that I, that I, uh, it just, it just makes fireworks go off in my brain when you say things like that, because you talk about language and why it is important. Everything that we have started with speech. God didn't build trees. He spoke them. He, he didn't, he didn't form the sun. He spoke it. He, he didn't, um, he didn't go into the atmosphere and collect uh, two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen, and com- he just he just spoke it, and and it knew what to do. The only thing that God ever touched was man. Wow. He didn't he didn't speak man into existence. The Bible says he spit in the dirt, and he bent down, and he formed man. Everything else, he spoke. And I started thinking when you were talking. That every one of us, the only thing we can do is speak. God has to do the forming. Come on. And we're trying to do the forming. We we want to do the work. He wants us to speak. But God wants us to speak. He wants to speak those things that are not as though they were. He wants us to the bones. Exactly. He wants to prophesy to the bones and say, Can these bones live? I think that one of the missing ingredients from the Christian experience. Is a speech life. Just, just, just speaking it and talking and having the courage to talk in the opposite direction of what your situation wow. is. Pastor Hammond. Well, Pastor, for me, uh, starting off in this, in this road of Paul's life, I deal with the thought process of his old name, but specifically how the fact that the light came and blinded him. And the Lord so- showed me and he said, sometimes 
the light comes to change what you see so you can change what you say. Come on. Uh, wow. And so in that moment, I, I thought about Paul couldn't see um, because he was blind, but he, he heard something, right? Yeah. Uh, and he started to change his speech. The second thing that he showed me was that his friends who were with him, they couldn't, the Bible says they didn't say anything. They didn't and even understand what was going on. They didn't on. understand what was going on. So God showed me that sometimes in our conversion process, you need people around you who are not going to speak on what you're going through. Because mm. he was on the road. You need people that you can trust with you on your road to, to conversion. And then the last thing he gave me, you talked about specifically how, and I love this part of the sermon, you said we, we have to have uh, take the positive with the negative. Yes, sir. And you talked about how the, the energy just has to move on. And I thought about specifically how power sometimes, um, I've had in my previous uh, home, uh, lightning <clears throat> to hit my home. Wow. But it didn't destroy the home because of something called um, a ground wire. Yeah. And so you got to have more than just the positive and the negative. You got to be grounded. You got to be grounded. <laughs> and I believe that God allowed Paul to go blind to humble himself because he was a persecutor. And through the ground wire, the, 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 when the current comes and when the power comes, see, in your car there's a positive and negative battery. But as you go to a higher power source, it has to be more grounded. So if you look at your, your car, there's a ground wire to help uh, dis distribute the current. And I believe in this season that God will allow us to change what we're seeing so we can change what we say. And as we get more power, if we stay humble, hallelujah, yes, he will exalt you just, us. You're going to make me shout yes, because I'm, I'm thinking yes, about the fact that when Jesus Christ died, yes. the Bible says that all power, all power. in heaven and earth in both places. was in Ooh. his hand. Do you know one of the most effective tools for grounding power is wood? Yes. It's the reason why an axe has a wooden handle. It's the reason why a hammer has a wooden handle. Now, there are other conductors like plastic, but wood is actually a good grounder. Is that the reason the cross was wood? Come on, because he was so much power. He has so Woo! much power. And if they hadn't <laughs> grounded him on wood, what would have happened to everybody at the foot of the cross? What would have happened to the soldiers yeah. who were nailing him? They would have been shocked by the power. And, and, and what we were getting at, Matt, yesterday when we were talking about it, I said that electricity... Yeah. Yeah. It's actually uh, the marriage between atoms, which are both negative and positive. positive yeah. And whenever you see electricity, it is because the negative atom has moved on. And I'm telling you, uh, for those of y'all who didn't see it Sunday, here was the power of the text. The text said that Paul was beaten. And I, I made the idea, the question uh, or the argument that the negative is necessary, that, that you're watching me now because of the negative and positive charges that create electricity. So you couldn't even watch me without negativity. Mm -hmm. And after this message goes off and you go and watch the next thing without your remote, you would have to get up and turn the television yeah. because without negativity, you couldn't use the remote. Right. Yeah. And so, so negativity moves on and that's Most. called power. And then I, I made this point, and I want you all to help me discuss it, that what is killing the people that's watching us, what, what, what is causing you to struggle beyond reproach, what's causing you to lose sleep at night, is that you haven't yet learned how to move on. Hello, everybody. We just paused right in the middle of this tackle of the text that I hope you are enjoying 
to let you know that it is giving time. But before we give you an opportunity to give, let me thank you to the many partners that we have around the world who make sure that we can fulfill the scripture as it relates to Malachi chapter 3. The Bible says that when we give the tithe to the storehouse, that the consequence of that is that there will be meat in the house. And can I tell you this weekend, we got an opportunity to distribute meat and vegetables and fruit and water and cereal and milk to at least 600 families who came on this property because we are living in difficult times. No doubt about it. And let me tell you, I was so struck because as I looked in the line, I saw people who had nice cars because in this day, the poor are not walking. Some of us are the working poor. Some of us are, are, we have jobs and we work nine to five and 40 hours a week and we're still struggling. And it is our job not to judge who shows up, but to serve who shows up. And because you give, nobody was turned away. We were able to feed and give cases of water to every single individual that showed up. And I want to start this offering off by thanking you for being faithful. But here it is, the work isn't done because we're gonna turn around and do it next week. And we're gonna do it again next month. And we're gonna keep fighting the good fight of faith until the Lord comes and takes us home. So as you get ready to give today, I don't want you to give as one who is begrudging. I want you to give because God loves a cheerful giver. I want you to get your seed ready right now because your seed is making a difference in this house. And it is making a difference in people that you will never meet. And that, my friend, is the gospel. If you are in our Lighthouse 2.0, thank you so much for giving through Givelify. We appreciate you. If you're giving online through Text to Give or through our app or online, or you bring it in or you mail it in, we thank you so much. All of those instructions are getting ready to come up on the screen. I'm getting ready to pray a blessing over your life right now that when you release this seed, listen, that God is going to release success over your life. Seed for success. God is getting ready to give you beauty for ashes. And he's going to give you the oil of the morning and the praise, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God is faithful, guys. He's faithful to perform. Do you have your gift? Do you have it in your hand? Are you ready? God, right now, I pray that every seed would release success. And I pray, God, that every home that has a struggle and a need, that you will meet it. You already told us that you shall supply all of our needs according to your riches in glory. Thank you that the riches are not according to our failures, our spending habits, our bankruptcies, but is according to you. And thank you, God, that you own all the cattle and the silver and the gold. We bless you, God, that we are blessed. We bless you that we are highly favored and we curse the spirit of poverty over our last name. In Jesus' name we pray, hallelujah and amen. Thank you for your seed. Get ready for a miracle and a blessing and watch the second half of this because you don't want to miss what these guys have to say next. Pastor, let me, let me take on that because when I, when I heard that message, something, something <laughs> it's funny because you said you, didn't, you don't think you did. When I heard that message and when you said that, something leaped in my belly because look at what First Samuel 16.1 says. Samuel was mourning over a Saul that God has replaced. And God says, Samuel, I know you were anointed. You missed it the first time and you were about to anoint the wrong person the second time, but that's a different conversation. And he said, how long are you going to 
stays stuck with a soul. For every, and, and hold on, what does Saul represent? Saul represents the first. Yeah. Hmm. For every first you lost, there is a best next. For every yes, Saul yes. you lost, there is a David after your own heart, yes. a job after your own heart. And what does Saul represent? People's opinion. opinion. I think the disappointment of Christianity is that we're waiting for God or waiting on God to move. I would rather move with God than wait on God to move. move because it, if you are not part of the movement, you become a monument. And I think uh, this, is, this is the season where God wants us to say, Abraham, leave your father's house. Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. There has to be movement somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There has to be movement, even the negative and positive. There has to be movement. A lot of us, have, we, we, have, we are so stuck in what we went through that we are now confusing our attachment with our assignment. Mm. We've allowed our next assignment to be stifled by our past attachments. And this is why when you say move on, it sounds so simple. But the Bible says one of Paul's secrets is forgetting those things that are behind. Yes, sir. Talking about power, Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. I mean, this is the Paul we talk about. And these are all the little principles in a man's life. He learned, Paul said, I have defrauded no man. Yes. Hold on a second. Speech therapy. Lies. You, <laughs> how can you say you have defrauded no man? You, you basically killed Christians, yeah. and you're saying, I've wronged no one, yeah. I've defrauded no one. This is speech therapy. Look at Jesus. He says, I come to seek and save that which is lost. But after he creates and finishes the purpose, then he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Look at, look at him moving on. Even the God who created the earth had to move on from it. And wow. I think that one of the most difficult seasons of our life and the biggest tool that the enemy is using against God's people is preventing us from accessing the innate ability to move on. I believe it. I believe it. People get stuck with, with who left them and, and, and the job that didn't work and, and what their parents didn't do when they were children. And I know that trauma carries with us through our life. But when you are 50, talking about what happened when you are five, you'll never be able to fully walk into the purpose of God because what you have just showed the enemy is that you don't have the power to move on. You've got to move on. You've got to move on in your heart. You've got to move on in your mind. So it happened. It happened. They beat Come on. Paul within an inch of his life. And if you go back and read chapter 14 of, of Acts, the Bible says that they beat Paul, watch this, and presumed he was dead. <laughs> Presuming he was dead. This, this happens in between the text that we yeah, read yeah. and the one we finished off with. And we see Paul in what the scripture says is his third missionary journey. Yeah. This is the last time, ladies wow. and gentlemen, of the jury and my brothers who are watching. <laughs> this is the last time we see Paul free. Yeah. From here on, Paul is in chains. Remember, right. he's on his way to Rome. Yeah. And the chief priest said, put two chains on him. So they right. lock him up and then lock him up again. And Paul stands on the stairs of that temple with the crowd all around him and says, like you said, Matthew, can I, can I speak to the people? Can I speak to the people? He's shocked because he's like, we thought you were ignorant. We thought you were ignorant. Isn't it amazing how many assumptions people make about you when you're wounded? <laughs> My God. Isn't it amazing how, how when you're wounded, they look at you and think that that's how you act. That's how you talk. That's how you speak. I want to speak to people because you Come can on. help them that, that they've got to be able to separate the real them from the wounded them. Yeah. Pastor, I think you separate the real you from the wounded you by realizing the fact that uh, in this season, we can't be monolinguistic. 
In other words, you got to begin to speak more than one language. Say your, as, say as Paul, your big words, Reverend. Uh, as Paul did, <laughs> uh, monolinguistic. Uh, more than one. You got to speak different languages. You took back to the positive negative. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say, say that I'm, I'm rich. rich. Uh, Paul realized that he had to change his language. I'm reminded of something you said. You said we're born looking like our parents and we yeah. die looking like our decisions. And God told me that we're, we're born sounding like our parents, but we die by the words that we say. Mm. And so uh, when you start changing your tone and your speech, you allow yourself to be in a different place. And Paul was just like that. He, he converted himself and he had a new language. And through new languages, he, God allowed him to be free in his conversion. Well, I want you to hit on this, Matt. And I'm going to ask you a question because Pastor Hammond's right. He did have a new language. Yeah. He did have a new language. And somebody out there is looking at us and saying, yeah, Pastor, he had a new language. But that's hard because he was talking to the same old people. Come These on. are the people. Yeah. Yeah. Who are responsible for where he is. They beat him. Yeah. They, they, they ostracized him. They literally crucified him. So Matt, tell us, tell the people, yeah. how do I change my speech when the people who are responsible for our pain haven't changed? Well, I think the first thing you have to do before the speech changes, you have to change the perspective. Mm. And, and that is coming through that road to Damascus, through the blinding. He couldn't see because he had to be led. And when he was led, God led him into a new perspective because he, the scales fell from his eyes. And, and, and yeah. when I hear that, yep. it, it, it wasn't just in the physical. Yeah. It was in the mental. Hmm. It was in the emotional. Yeah. Those things that fell from his eyes was that previous perspective, that rotten perspective, that, that wicked perspective that was falling off. And now I can see people. I can see myself. I can see my God differently because Come of the on. darkness. If you know, if you stay in the dark for too long and then the light flips on, everything is different. You see everything different. And so when God let him stay in that darkness, it was intentional. We know that. Yeah. But when we get into the actual purpose of something falling off his eyes, mm -hmm. then his speech began to change. I love it. I love it. So, so, so what you're saying is, is the scales represent the perspective. It represents, it, it represents the perspective in the past. Mm. If, if you ever see when, when a snake sheds, it's shedding something that's old because it's coming into something new. new. Yeah. And so he was leave, literally leaving something behind, and that was the physical representation, something tangible, because sometimes we don't believe it unless we can feel it. Wow. That's something that he could see that says, this is something new. I'm no longer that creature. It was his I'm rebirth. It was his rebirth. Now, now, you say rebirth because, and this is where we finish, and it was almost as if you were here. Paul says, first of all, I'm coming to Rome that they might be saved. That's, that's the only reason why I'm going. I don't care if I go in chains. Yeah. I don't care if I go in pain. I'm going for a purpose. The Lord spoke to me, guys, and, and tell me if you saw this. Paul is human, and I've never try to remove the human experience away from the biblical interpretation because he's a person. Yep. Yeah. I don't, I, we can't look at Paul as, like, he wasn't Superman. He wasn't superhuman. If they put chains on him, then his wrists begin to bleed. Right. It's, tight. it's tight. It hurts. <clears throat> if they are telling him that his ministry is not true, then his heart is broken. Right. But when he gets there and he speaks in the language that they understand, Paul stays with his purpose yes. in spite of his pain. And here's what the Lord showed me. He said, Keon, tell the people, 
when they are hurting, it is much more important to communicate truth rather than experience. That's good. That's, that's good. Because if you hurt me and I allow my mind to shift from my purpose to my pain, then I will communicate something to you for by which I wasn't sent. What if Jesus had been marching up Calvary and allowed them spitting on him and beating him to shift his mind from why he was sent? Then you and I wouldn't be saved because he would rather stay with why he was sent than to allow his emotions to switch him to what he feels. And I am telling you that in a moment of tragedy and trauma, you have to stick with purpose in spite of pain. He, he was communicating truth and not experience. You don't always have to tell people what you've been through. You don't always have to get into every relationship talking about, I'm not going to take this because this person hurt me, and, and, and I'm not going to take that. And I'm guilty of it. I've done it. I know that a lot of us have. We walk into situations trying to protect ourselves from future hurt by discussing past experience. And every moment doesn't need your experience. Sometimes it just needs your truth. Wow. Pastor, Pastor you, you are my... Um, this is ridiculous. When you talked about pain and truth and experience... A word came into mind. I told you, whenever you talk like that, these words just keep coming like yeah. that. What, what I just got out of what you said, the way my mind works is, your pain is not, how do I put it? Your pain is not a sleepover. It's a stopover. Yeah. And a lot of people have made their pains a slumber party out of it. You're, we have turned our, <laughs> our stopovers into sleepovers. And now we have, we have erected structures where we're supposed to have erected tents. Stay, and, stay, stay, and I want you to stay right there because isn't it true? This is what, this is what God says to Joshua. Uh, Joshua is mourning about the death of Moses. He's getting ready to stay there. And God says, uh, Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Now you get up. Move on and lead the people. I want let him finish because I I, I I believe that you're. I want you to minister because everybody stuck. We we don't know what to do. COVID, yeah, stuck. Social injustice, stuck. Stuck. Food insecurity, stuck. Mental relapses and and it's just stuck. You are you, we are dealing with a stuck world right now. So, Pastor, <laughs> once again, when you said stuck, the word that came to my mind, and you talked about it yesterday, you talked about it um, on Sunday, when you talked about darkness and negatives, and you talked about stuck. The word that just flashed across my, my mind now is the word darkness. Because whenever we talk about darkness, because this is, how, this is how we can move. We're talking about practical things we can do to move. I think our perspective is very important also. Pastor, if you, if you say, if you talk about, if we say darkness, the first thing that dawns or comes to anybody's mind is this is an absence of light. Mm -hmm. But take Paul's experience, take Paul's encounter, everything Paul went through. Maybe, oh, like a seed that grows in darkness. Maybe, just maybe, maybe darkness is not the absence of light. Maybe it's the presence of growth. And, and this is the growth. And God is saying, I cannot grow you till you, and we think it's stuck. Was, was Paul really stuck or was he growing in the dark? Was he growing in the dark? So that when God turns on the light, they were like, 
oh my God, how did you get to this? Because it was not absence of light, it was presence of growth and development. And now your sensitivity and your speech had changed because you know how to handle the dark. A lot of people don't know how to handle the dark. A lot of people want to get to the light, um, the light of the world, but can you handle the dark? Because the light shines in darkness. So, so you, want to be, you want to be on top, but you, you don't want to be the topic. <laughs> wow. Pastor, uh, there's some historians that say um, there used to be approximately about 7,000 languages on the world. Mm. Wow. But today, there are only about 6,500 languages that are sp spoken. That means there are about 500 languages that are called dead. Wow. When you said, Moses, my servant, is dead go on, there's some languages that have to die. We can't, can't keep speaking the same languages we've been speaking. We've got to let them die and allow God to give us our new language so we can move into our future. And different way of saying it is you can't speak a dead language. Yes. At the Tower of Babel, that was a dead language. Yes. Yeah. Conversely, we get to Pentecost. And the church starts because of a new language. And what was happening at Babel is everybody started to speak the same language. What happened at Pentecost is every man spoke in his own language. And people began to understand and learn new languages, which allows the church to explode because it is a compilation of different languages. I wonder if you are speaking a dead language. I wonder if your life is going in the direction of your speech. When God gave me this word, I thought to myself, God, are you sure? He said, yes, tell the people what they say in this season will determine what they see in the next season. The last example that I thought of, Matt, was... The other day, I was sitting in the car, and I told them this Sunday. Ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't see the message, I was sitting in the car the other day. I was doing a podcast interview, and they asked me to make sure that I was in a quiet place. The only problem was is I had a meeting at 3 o'clock that I could not miss, and the interview started at 2.30. I had to text the person at at 2.45 to let them know that this meeting may go over, but I'm right outside in the parking lot, and I'll be up as soon as the call is over. I had two important things to do at the same time. Remember, he said, be in a quiet place. All of a sudden, 15 minutes into the interview, inside of my car where the windows are up and my AirPods are in and no noise, comes a fire truck. Now, I heard it coming a long way away, so I muted the phone, and I was hoping that the question would last longer than the noise. But the question was short, and now it was my turn to respond live. So I unmuted the phone, and I began to answer the question. And as I began to answer the question, the truck was getting closer and closer but I wasn't finished with my answer. So instead of being distracted by the noise, what I did is I started to raise my voice and I became very passionate about what I was talking about. 
And I stayed with that level and that passion until the truck passed me. And the Lord showed me two things. Number one, maybe three. Number one, where you're going in your life and the anointing you have, you can forget about ever having another quiet place. You are getting ready to make such a splash in the world, there will always be noise around you. You always going to have haters. You're always going to have the enemy coming after you. There will always be demonic forces coming after you. Your anointing has canceled your quietness. That's number one. The second thing the Lord showed me is that if you have a word, you can speak longer than the noise. That I had enough answer in me to continue to speak until the noise passed. And the reason why, number three, the interviewer never heard the noise is because I learned a lesson that no matter how loud the enemy is, you can always speak louder than the distraction. And I just kept talking until the distraction passed. And I am telling you right now, no matter what is going on in your life, you keep speaking until the noise passes. You keep speaking until the depression falls off. You keep speaking until the rejection leaves your heart. You keep speaking until God mends your heart. You keep speaking until your resources come. You keep speaking until they give you a raise on the job. Find you an affirmation. You write it down and you write the vision and you make it plain and you keep speaking. Jesus Christ, even in death, spoke on the cross and said, Father, I don't know know what you're going to do but please forgive them for they know not what they do and he spoke seven times you don't have to speak a lot but you just have to say the right things keep talking even though you're being nailed even though you are bleeding even though you're swollen even though you're frustrated keep speaking you've got to have enough word and that word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee you can speak longer than the distraction you can speak louder than the distraction. Yes, sir. And come to grips that there is such an anointing on your life that you will never, ever have another quiet place. Notice I didn't say you won't have a peaceful place. Yes, sir. Because you're going to get to the place like Paul where you understand that peace is not the absence of noise, but is the presence of order. And in the face of people who are ridiculing him, he's speaking in a different language. I prophesy different languages Amen. that will open different doors yes, that will present you with different opportunities. Yes. In the name of Jesus, there is a speech therapist called Jesus that has come to change the way you talk in trauma, that has come to, to change the way you talk in temptation, that has come to change the way you talk when you are frustrated, that the weak is going to say, I am strong, and the poor is going to say, I am rich, and the lost is going to say, I am found, and the blinded is going to say, now I see. There is a change coming to your language. Listen, thank you, Holy Ghost. You're going to even change the way you talk to your children when you're angry. Oh, my God. Because you were raised by a mother who yelled. Don't raise your child the same way. You're going to change your speech. I'll close with this. I was talking to one of my friends whose wife is a, a doctor, and she was saying 
that in the African-American community, we have to normalize therapy. Because in our community, we don't go to therapists. Yep. So she told me that, and I, it's no secret, I told you guys, I went, still go. Every day, same time. And I was talking to him about a circumstance. But the advice that he gave me was so powerful that I think it's applicable to everybody who's listening to me right now. He said, whenever you're dealing with difficulty, understand that the only answer for a difficult circumstance is contrast. That means you have to act differently than what you're in. When God got ready to look for another king of Israel, he didn't look for similarity. He looked for contrast. I let you pick the tall one. I'm picking the short one. I let you pick the one whose father owned donkeys. I'm picking the one that's out here tending sheep. I, I, I let you pick a king. I'm picking a son. Contrast. Just be different than what you're experiencing. Just speak different. And God is going to make a way. I hope you enjoyed this. I enjoyed you guys. I can't wait. Y'all come back next Tuesday, would you? I, I just want this same group. Uh, we're going to leave Pastor Torrance off. We're just going to let him have the weekend off. I want this same group. Would y'all come back? We'll do it. We'll All right. do it. I, I'm looking forward to it. Listen, thank you so much uh, for being with us on this Tackle the Text. Remember, God is trying to change the way you speak. And you heard Matthew say it. He says you got to have a language for every level. This is the Lighthouse Church. We are servants of the Most High God, and you are blessed and highly favored. And guess what? We love you, and ain't nothing you can do about it. See you next week. Wow, what an amazing message. If you was blessed by that message like I was, and you haven't had an opportunity to give, we want to give you an opportunity right now. And we're going to put the instructions right below. Also, if you want to join this Lighthouse family because you love what we're doing, we're going to put those instructions down below as well. Lastly, here at Lighthouse, we believe in discipleship. And we believe that if you confess with your mouth and believe your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you shall be saved. Go ahead. Come on and pray with me. Heavenly Father, you're great. You're amazing. You're holy. And you're worthy. God, we just thank you for the opportunity they got to see this great message. We ask that you allow a God to sink in our heart and bring forth fruit. God, we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Hey, listen. We love you, and there's nothing that you can do about it. We have created a way for all of you all to connect with us online, whether you live in the city of Houston, out of the city of Houston, whether you're in another country, we've created a platform called Lighthouse 2.0. And it is nothing more than my way of connecting to you wherever you are. So right now they're getting ready to put a link up on the screen and you're gonna be able to go to that link, to that place, and say you wanna be a part. Come check us out, we got a lot that we've given and we got a lot more for you. I cannot wait to see you at 2.0.